This uh, series that we're in right now, it's called A New Life, and it is a six-part series, and we're in, we're in number five today. Uh, so we don't usually do series that are that long. So first of all, this is a, a long, extended month-and-a-half series that we're in. And then also, um, we've got, uh, right after that, we've got Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday, and then Baptism Sunday. So a wonderful three weeks. And if you've been thinking about baptism, it's something that's on your mind, uh, been in your heart. Get some time with me. Let's talk through some things. Would love, love to do that. It's one of the most special weeks that we have that we have here. Arnick, I've got a little ring. Will you help me with that, please? So today we're going to talk about a new life, his measure. His measure. We've talked about his perspective, Colossians 3. We've talked about his image. We've talked about his identity. Today we want to talk about his, his measure. Now, before, before I get into Colossians 3, actually, I just want to talk to you about the temptations of Jesus, because measure is very important, how you measure something. Have you ever been in a class where a, a 70 was passing and a 69 was failing? And then you've been in a class where 60 was passing and 59 was failing. Have you been in a class where an A was a 93 or above, and then you've been in a class where an A was 90 or above? It's important to know those things when you have a 91, right? It's important to know that 70 is passing when you think 65 and survive, and you think that's it, and you didn't. So in both cases, you got a 65, one was passing, one was failing. Yesterday, my average speed home was somewhere between 80 and 84 miles an hour, I think. I was hot to get home. Don't tell Emma. Because when her app shows me how fast she drove home from school, she gets a text from me. So hopefully... Don't want to be a hypocrite here. You can drive 55 miles an hour on particular roads around here. This overpass road out here will get you killed, right? You got to go faster than 55 out there. In one place, you get a $500 ticket, and in the other place, people are honking at you and saluting you. 55 miles an hour both places. It's all about the measure. The measure. The lens. One of my friends, good friend, two daughters. First daughter, very academically solid, strong academic. Strong. Her little sister, just a year or two younger, not so good in the classroom. But that younger sister could walk in this room, read this room, and know people that are hurting and dial in on them. And the older sister with the academic prowess doesn't have any emotional intelligence. (laughs) That tank is empty. Different measure. One looks very, very successful in a particular arena, and one looks like a failure. Whereas in a different setting... One is valued. 
It's all about the measure. We are image bearers. And when we look at his life, and his perspective, his identity, we also need to run this and we need to be encouraged. Encouraged, not shamed. Encouraged. Encouraged. I spell encouraged with an I. In courage. By his measure. I was thinking about the temptations of Jesus in Luke chapter 4. And those temptations are about power and they're about proving. They really are about power and proving. You see, Jesus fasted 40 days and the fast was over. And then he was tempted to make the stones into bread. I think some of us miss that. Because it would be different if Jesus was on day 11 of a 40-day fast and tempted to make a sandwich. That's a different scenario. This one, the fast is over. When I'm done with an extended fast, that fast is over. Which means I'm going to eat with no shame nor hesitation. I did a 10-day fast one time with Melinda, and we finished it by going to McDonald's. This may be the best thing I've told you today. Do not ever do that. It was whatever wisdom we'd gained in that fast was lost immediately. The fast was over. There was no sin. There wasn't even a temptation in making food for food's sake. But this was the measure. Satan says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Provision. So if you're the son of God, prove it. You see, it's about power and proving. The temptations are about power and proving. Proving. Proving we have a walk with God. Proving we have a good church. Proving we're strong. Proving we have the power of God. Proving we can manifest miracles. Proving. It hasn't changed. The temptations are about power and proving. So turn those stones to bread. It doesn't have to anything to do with the bread. It didn't have anything to do with the fast. It had to do with, do you have the power to provide your own provision? If you're the son of God, prove it. When he said, bow to me, and you get all the lands, he took him up, he took him up to a mountain. He looked around. Chip and I yesterday were driving on 68, just west of D.C., western Maryland, and some of the hills and roads, you can see for you can probably see 100 miles in some of those places. You're so high and things are so far away. It's beautiful. Jesus taken to some place like that, and he says, if you'll bow to me, you get all that. You see, it's not just about the power for provision, but, but preeminence. Right, preeminent. Where are we in the social pecking order? And where should we be as a church? There's a phrase back when I was a kid that was just kind of coming out of use. But the church body that I grew up in, folks told stories about the other side of the tracks, church. Church that wasn't quite social. Church that wasn't quite accepted. Other side of the tracks, church. That's in my history. Like, I have rallies that experienced that. People threw stuff at them when they went to church. Leap from the temple. 
Jesus, come up to the temple. And, 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 and Satan quotes the scripture. He says, it's written that angels will take over. Angels will care for you. Angels will come to your, your rescue. Should you, should you dash your foot against a stone, angels will come and save you. There's supernatural protection promised to you. Interesting that Satan was quoting the scriptures. And Jesus replies with scripture. He's like, you just, you're just, you just don't tempt me. You don't tempt the Lord. So the idea of the temptations of Jesus, they were about provision and preeminence and protection. And so you, that's super powerful because I just used three words with the same letter. Let me use a fourth one about proving about proving. Temptations weren't about specific actions. You see, Satan disguised a prove-who-you-are challenge with a what-can-you-do temptation. He disguised a prove-who-you-are challenge with a what-can-you-do temptation. So what is the measure of Jesus because this is a snapshot of the power grid that we live in within this world. The power grid of prove who you are by proving what you do, by showing what you do. If you're a student of the scripture, you know that it says groups of people sought a sign. They wanted to see something. Basically, you ready for this? What you got? What you got? What do you bring to the table? But the measure, his measure, his measure is different. It's not the measure that Jesus promotes to his followers. That, that measure of proving and power. It's intoxicating, though. There are many people in this room in recovery. Some would say everyone in here is in recovery from something. But the, the church, lowercase c, religion, even seeking spirituality can be that because it's intoxicating. It's our hustle. We go after that, the proving part of it. I'm just asking you, by what measure are we living we are called to live under his measure, his lens, his grid. Ready? Watch what happens when I back up. Beep, 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 beep. Apparently, I need one of those little, little, little alarms. Those backup alarms. When big things back up and they're scary, <laughs> I need one of those alarms on me. I saw this chart the other day that says at six feet tall, I'm supposed to weigh 180 pounds. I weighed 180 pounds in the fourth grade. <laughs> 180 pounds. When Emma was born... I found out that I had hereditary cholesterol stuff. So I went on this, 
hardcore crash diet thing, exercise crazy, right before she was born. I got to 200 pounds. No visuals, but there was hardly anything on. I'm trying to step on like one foot. I, I, I hit 200 pounds. People would walk up to me and ask me if I was okay. If I was taking chemo, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. They were like, oh my God, are you okay? You look terrible. <laughs> okay, thank you. I have 20 pounds to go. <laughs> I'm supposed to be 180 pounds. <laughs> like people would bring me in here on a stretcher. I get it. I've got a couple pounds to lose. But if I had to go by that metric, 180, what's the measure? What's the measure that you're using to live your Christian life? To live this walk with God? Like whose measure is it? I'm going to ask you to throw up Matt. If you'll throw up Matthew 11. Let me find it here. I'll read it with you. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. This is Jesus' measure. Satan says, you have power over provision, preeminence, protection, can, can you manipulate all that, control it? Can you work it all? Let me just toss this in here because it's one of the most profound things I have ever come across as a student. Soteriology is about salvation. And eschatology, and all these different words like that, right? Christology is about ology, the study of Christ. Christology. And one of the things a person told me once I thought was so profound they said one of the most amazing things about Jesus is he had all power to do anything he wanted to do, and he didn't. He didn't. This hits me all the time. Yesterday, Chip and I were on the Beltway, 695 around Baltimore, and that's where I-70, right out here, I-70 ends, right there. And so we got on I-70, and as soon as I'm on a road, and I know I'm on that road for 10 hours, I always think, Man, I wish I could just like snap and be on the exit on this road where I'd like to be. And should I, had I been Jesus Christ, <laughs> we would have been there. That 10-hour drive would have taken about 47 minutes. He didn't do any of that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? He had all the power to do all the things. He didn't. Now, John says the world couldn't contain the books that would be written of the beautiful things he did. So it wasn't that he was inactive, but I am talking about the measure. What is it that guides us? What is it that leads us? So this is what Jesus says. This would be in, in red letter. Are you tired? Are you, are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? <laughs> Can <I>, anybody? <laughs> are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Yes. Today we'd call those de-churched people. They've tried this whole church thing and they're like, no thanks. You know why? Because they've tried the church thing. They tried the whole church deal. Like I've done this whole church thing and I'm not into it. I get it. 
I talked to a young man yesterday on the phone. I've never spoken to him in my life. The last time I saw him, he was the, the width of my forearm. I held him like this, and now he's in high school. His mother said, would you reach out to him? He's expecting your call. I talked to him, and I said, hey, buddy. I never hadn't talked to him in 16 years. And I'm pretty sure he didn't remember the last time I talked to him. <laughs> so I said, hey, man, how's the God thing going for you? He says, I'm trying to do better. I said, well, let me just tell you that I had a church relationship, and it wasn't a God relationship, and it didn't work out so well for me. That church relationship thing is different than that God relationship thing. And I said, you can have a church relationship, and you're a good kid, and nobody has any idea because of the measure. They're not looking at other things not happening in your life. Because you stand when we stand, you sit when we sit, you clap three times when the song is over. I said, buddy, just make sure you're pursuing a God relationship. He said, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and I'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Look at this next verse. Here's a measure. Ready? Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn. I love this. I love this line. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. You're asking how? You're asking how? Keep company with me. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. You're feeling worn out, you're feeling tired, you're burned out on something. Let me tell you something. Here we go. You ready? Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace and keep company with me. What was it that Adam and God did every day anyway? What was it? What's the scripture tell us? They walked together in the cool of the day. They walked together in the cool of the day. And what else did they do? They walked together in the cool of the day. What, 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 else, did they, what else did they do? They walked together in the cool of the day. Does that push against your expectations? Does that push against your measure? Does it do anything to the measure? I feel like in my spirit right now, I feel like it challenges some of us, our own very, our, our very prayer life. I'm going to just toss it out there and say that I think some of us pray in a way that is not, would never, no one would look at that and go, oh, I see you're walking with him. sound more like a frantic defense attorney pleading the reason salvation freedom and redemption are up there is because that was a promise to Moses in Exodus 6 Exodus second book of the Bible Exodus 6 that was God's idea back then I think it's still God's idea 
That's why those banners are on that wall. I think it's still God's idea that we have salvation and freedom and redemption. I think that's still his idea. This Garden of Eden to what Jesus is saying, just walk with me. Just learn the unforced rhythms of grace. You know, rhythms are up and down. Rhythms, highs and lows. Just a rhythm, movement, unforced. Doesn't that sound free? Walking with Jesus, which is just walking with Jesus. When I was in college, and the seven minutes that Melinda and I were dating went pretty quick. My sponsor at the Naval Academy was also my pastor, and I lived in his home. And so the four years that I was in college, I, I was with him, and he also was my pastor. And so then Melinda came into my life, and really it was about you know, two, three months before we were married. But in that window of a couple of months, we'd go places with them. Melinda and I would sit in the back, he and his wife would sit in the front. And Melinda commented how he would reach out and hold her hand. They would just hold hands. They wouldn't talk always. Didn't fill the car, but just, just that reach out. I understand that when you've got a really good friend, you can just be together and not have to fill the air. I've been told that. That you can just walk with them, just be with them, just have that time. Paul gives us this list in Colossians 3 of how we used to measure things, right? Outward status, socioeconomics, all that. Matt, throw that up there. This is what uh, Jeremy spoke from last week. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes that you stripped off and put in the fire. And now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish, non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider, outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free, they mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. He's the one that sets the measure. We used to have all these other things that we'd look at. Does anyone remember the days, and probably it was middle school, that what was over here or what was on here, of course, they're not on the inside, right? The outside of your shoe, what was on there, that thing, or this, or the tag back here, Divided us? Anybody? Those days? Yeah. Some of us have lived long enough that some of the shoes that were so cool, like ponies, they were cool. You still got a pair of ponies, Brian? Is that what you just said? Ponies are so cool, and now they're, I don't think they're so cool. And Adidas, you'll be caught dead with Adidas, and now... Man, you got th- you're just putting three stripes on your arm. You got three stripes everywhere, three stripes on your face. 
the coming and going of who says the fat tie or the skinny tie. Who says that? Who measures that? And I don't know if the problem is the one that puts it out or the one that follows it. We are called to follow his measure. He says that stuff means nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. That's the measure defined by him. And then there is this other list, which is what I'm talking from today. Verse 12. Matt, you can go to 312. Thank you. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. I was having a conversation with Dana this week about the definition of compassion. And I'm just going to sum up that conversation with this. Compassion, there are challenges and struggles and difficulties and failure. And do you know what? It's compassion when through all of that, love wins. Love wins. (laughs) All the stuff. All the lists. All the things. All the differences, all the challenges. And through it all, love wins. Be even tempered, content with second place. How many know that second place is simply the first loser? Come on, somebody. How many know that? Huh? Where'd that definition come from? Because it didn't come from here. Where did that definition come from? By what measure have we surrendered our existence? We surrender our existence to the measure of something not Jesus, not Christ. Be content with second place. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Has anybody experienced, not a trick question, has anybody experienced a forgiveness from the master Jesus? I certainly have. I have this weekend. We're not talking about 1984, right? This weekend. A forgiveness. And it's beautiful. It says forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you, which would be forgive yourself as quickly and completely and also forgive others as quickly and completely. When you ask to be forgiven, how long does that take again? How long does it take? What do you believe? Most of us believe that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And how long does that take again? Don't most of us think it's when we turn to him forgiven? Isn't that how most of us think that goes? That quick. 
someone wrongs us, forgive as quickly and as completely. How are you doing? Not so good? Hanging around with the wrong people. Hanging around with the wrong person. Jesus says, hang around with me and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Hang around me and it wears off on you. It spills over on you. Now, I didn't grow up in the deep south, but I grew up in southern Illinois. And I was, uh, in fact, I was driving a busload of kids to Terre Haute years ago. We were pastoring a church in Maryland and Simeon and Sonia and Identity Camp, and you guys had the campground out there. We were driving a busload of kids here to go to that camp. And I'm on the phone. Somebody called me. It happened to be a state trooper from the state of Texas that needed some counseling stuff, and we were trying to get together. He called me while I'm driving, and I'm on the phone, and I'm talking. Kids are wild in the van. I'm talking to this guy on the phone, driving along. When I was done, one of the teenagers behind me said, they called me Brother Smith. They said, hey, Brother Smith, was that, was that person from the South? Uh, yes, they were. How did you know that? Well, I heard your voice change. You got all drawly Southern on them all of a sudden. <laughs> hey, y'all. What's up? Yeah. You mean that when I start speaking to someone from the South, that Southern part of me kicks in? Is that what you're saying? That old part of me, that old nature part of me comes out again? Is that what you're saying? Yes, that is what I'm saying. Yes. Regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It is your basic, all-purpose garment. Love is the new black. <laughs> Wear black. Black fits everything. It is your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. And I didn't really wear this for that reason, but I could put a blue jacket on here or a brown jacket, a gray jacket. I could wear any kind of jacket I want. I could probably wear a bright yellow jacket and look good. Maybe not bright yellow jacket. <laughs> I probably couldn't pull that off. This is the basic garment. What is the basic garment? What's it say? Regardless of what else you put on, regardless of whatever else you put on, whatever else it is, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Catholic, Methodist, Lutheran, Apostolic, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, whatever, whatever else you put on, says you better make sure you put on love. Love is what we wear regardless. I'm not sure if you've heard me say this lately, but I've told people, uh, they're like, hey, how's Christway going? I said, you know, Christway, we're, we're trying an experiment at Christway. They're like, really? They're intrigued. Really? I said, yeah, yeah. We're going to see if you can build a church from loving people. To which one person looked at me and said, that's not supposed to be an experiment. I know. We're going to see if you can build a community of Jesus followers 
And the one requirement is that we love people. What about all the other differences? Yeah, they're differences. You can still love them? Yeah. I don't have to affirm everything you do to love you. I don't have to agree with everything you do to love you. That's what makes it love. <laughs> I don't have to agree with everything you do. I mean, let me ask you a couple questions. How many, how many, how many think Jesus loves you? You think Jesus loves you? Many, many people in the room? How many think Jesus is cool with everything you do? You think he agrees with everything you do? Then would you like to rethink your answer to question one? He loves us. He doesn't agree with most of the things I do. I fall short all the time. But he loves me. And that love isn't less. In fact, it's more when I realize that I do things that he's not on board with. It doesn't mean it's more. 2 Corinthians tells us that if we measure ourselves or compare ourselves among ourselves, we're just not wise. So we're not the measure, right? Our church to the church over there, to that church, to this one down here, that's not the measure. That's a foolish measure is what it would say. You're not wise. I could look in here. And look around the room and say, well, I'm, I'm not doing great, but I'm, at, least I'm, at least I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I could do that, too, because it happens. Well, at least I'm not them. At least I don't have that going on. I'm not that screwed up. But you know what? That's pretty screwed up. So you might actually be in the running. You see, we get it wrong. There was a Pharisee who stood tall like I'm standing and raised his hands high like mine are raised. And his prayer was this. He's like, thank you, Lord, that I pray three times a day. And thank you. Think of the measure. What's the measure? And thank you, Lord, that I give alms. And thank you, Lord, that I am not like that publican. Thank you, Lord. And the publican sat on the side and knelt. And the scripture says, he beat upon his chest. And he said, Lord, I am a sinner. And then the one that made the determination, the one that holds the scales, the one that makes the measure, looked at them both and said, that man, will go home justified. Justified means innocent. That man will go home innocent. This brother is on his own. One last thing I want to read to you before, before we go. It's in Isaiah. Matt, you can hold it. Don't put it up there quite yet. Thank you. You can flag it out. Thanks. I'm going to prep it a little bit. This morning as we were, in my mind I was thinking through this, you know, and his measure and how he sees us and believes in us. You can come up. I thought of Isaiah 5, 5 and 6. 
And in Isaiah 5, Isaiah is a prophet to the kingdom of Israel. Hezekiah was the king that was with him often. Isaiah says, you know, the people that call evil good and good evil, woe to those people. Depending on your translation, the message says doom to you. But many translations say woe. So Isaiah is on a run here. Woe to you who buy up all the houses and grab all the things for yourself. Woe to you who get up early and start drinking booze before breakfast. Woe to you who use lies to sell evil, who haul sin to the market by the truckload. Woe to you who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness in place of light and light in place of darkness, substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to you who think you're so smart, who hold such a high opinion of yourself. And he is on a run, man. He's... he's, Kicking rear taking names, right? He's lining them up, man. He's like on a rant. Chapter 5. And in chapter 6, chapter 6 starts like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the master sitting on a throne, high and exalted. The train of his robes filled the temple. Angel seraphs hovered above him, each with six wings. They called back to one another, holy, holy, holy is the God of the angel armies. His bright glory fills the whole earth and the foundations trembled at the sound of the angel voices. The whole house was filled with smoke and Isaiah, who had just gone on a run telling everybody what their problem was, hits his knees and says, woe is me. Woe is me. Didn't he just call everybody out and their brother? What's the difference? What's the change? Well, the presence of the Lord is the change. You get in the presence of the Lord, and all of this stuff starts being this stuff. Isaiah, when in that space, in the presence of the Lord, he says, I am a man of unclean lips. That's an incredible passage. Chapter 5 and chapter 6, where he does that religious prophet thing, man. He is clean in house. I've told a lot of people lately, I am not a sheriff. I am a shepherd. I am not here to share for you. I am here to love you. And my intention is to love you into the presence of God. And let the presence of God do whatever the presence of God wants to do. And if you're religious and get converted like Isaiah, or nobody would look at you and think twice about you being religious, it's all the same to me. Because you are valuable. You matter. Individually, stand alone. You are valuable and you matter. You're worth loving. I'm worth loving. And I love you. And this is a place that defends faith, a space, not faith. We don't argue doctrines. We don't argue faith. I could. I can meet you for coffee. We can talk through it. We don't say that because we're not well-read. We don't say that because we're not educated. 
I can talk doctrines with you, but that's not the point. Not here. The point here is can we build a body of Jesus Christ based on loving people? A space where no matter who you are, no matter what you've done or what you're doing, you're allowed to be here. Not just allowed to be here, welcomed. I was a part of something one time that I got to go, but I was kind of excluded. Just because I was not excluded didn't mean I was included. But here you're included. Because we're all seekers. Now that was Isaiah 5 and 6. Let me read for you the last verse of Isaiah 6. Matt, you can throw that up now. Thank you. This is fabulous. You remember Isaiah who was giving it to everybody, right? (laughs) And then in the presence of the Lord, he hit his knees and he said, I am a man of unclean lips. He says, the country will look like pine and oak forest with every tree cut down. Think about that. Every tree cut down. It looks like desolation. Every tree a stump, a huge field of stumps. And look how it ends. But there's a holy seed in those stumps. There's a holy seed in those stumps. Cut down looks desolate. You drive by and think the best days of that field are past. But you're looking at it from the wrong measure. Because from the circumference of that stump, flattened and only a foot off the ground, comes a shoot. And it's not just any seed. It's holy holy seed. When I stand next to you in an elevator, I hug your neck in this church. We sit together, we sing together, we pray together. And every single person, the presence of God is in every life. That's the life force of life. It's the spirit of God. Bible tells us that. When we die, our spirit goes back to God from whence it came, like that's his spirit. And every single person, every single person you've ever met, every single person you've ever met, including you, including me, is a person for whom Christ died. And because he loves you so much, and because he loved me so much, It is not really that hard for me to love you. It is not that hard for me to say I love you and mean it. Love you. And to be in a place where I realize it may look like a field of sawn off stumps, but there is a holy seed in every one. Are you hearing me today? Please hear me. Every single person. I want to call your name. 
That's the truth. Andy right here, Andy who loves you, wants to call your name. Names are flashing through my head as I'm looking at your face. I want to call your name. I don't want to embarrass you. We're all the same here anyway. (laughs) But I want to do it to drive it home and let you know that you're seen and that you're known and that you're loved. That's the measure. (laughs) That's the measure. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for your great grace. Just pray with me a moment. We'll dismiss. We're not going to sing. We're just going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your great grace. Thank you for your compassion. Love wins. Love wins. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great kindness, for your love that changes us, for your love that fills us, for your love that restores us, for your love that says we're valuable, we're welcome, we're loved in spite of it all, in spite of all the stupid things we do, in spite of knowing in the stupid things we do. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the hard times. Thank you for the struggle. Thank you for the stories that we have in this very room that help us understand we've lived under a different measure. Thank you that we know that. We've tried it other ways. We have lived under a different measure. Lord, we can live under your your love and your measure. We can learn of you. We can walk with you. We can work with you. We can learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And thank you how those are shown up in our lives. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place of community and love and joy and gratitude Thank you that you drive shame from us. We don't have to live like that. You give us freedom and you give us hope, redemption, restoration, purpose. Take the weights off of us. We love you for it. You bring light to us. You receive us. You are our rescuer. Thank you for your love today, Lord. Thank you for your love today. My prayer for you today is that you would be overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. That it would be louder than any other voice. That it would be louder than any religious dogma or doctrine, expectation of man, expectation of culture. It'd be It'd be bigger and stronger than that. It'd transcend all those things. And that you can love so freely, it just pours through you, pours out of you, pours over you. 
and that you can receive it from others when they pour it on you. That is my prayer for you today. I went quite a bit longer than I normally do, so thank you for affording me that. That's what you get when I'm out two weeks, I guess. Lord Jesus, we walk in your ways, and we thank you for your grace and strength. Thank you that your hand is on us and above us, beneath and beside. Fill us with your presence. Help us be your light and your love. We pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Everyone said amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Blessings.